hold on. Honestly, I'm not into men ripping off their shirts, but I'm into what Paris just did. That was great. Greetings and salutations and welcome to Hacker Slash. If you're joining us again, welcome back. Let's get down to business. But if this is your first time listening, welcome to the party. We are a horror movie review podcast dedicated to telling you whether a movie is a hack, a total joke, a waste of time, or a slash. Totally killer, pun intended. My name is Chris. I'm your friendly neighborhood slasher enthusiast. This week I'm joined across the table by the super fly space guy, Mac. Hola, muchachos and muchachas. To my right, the gore lover, Alexis. Hey, everyone. To my left, the cowardly creeper, Ryan. Hiya. And across the pond, we have the Scream Queen, Paris. Hey, sweets. Now, this week, we're breaking down a sequel to a campy summer camp horror flick we covered last year. But first, we have some follow-up. We do have some follow-up, Chris. So, recently, we reviewed a little movie called Chopping Mall, and we asked our friends on Twitter how they felt about it. Now, in our usual hacker slash poll that if you're listening to this right now, you should actually put down your phone and then go vote in the poll for this episode. Um, But it turns out for Chopping Mall, 65% of our listeners thought that it was a slash and 35 thought it was a hack, which actually surprised me how many people really hold this movie in their hearts. Yes, this is statistically done better than many other movies that are far better than it. Yeah, I'm very surprised at 60 anything percent. It should be like 20% slash. Yeah. Totally wrong. It's a slash. Get on get on get on the train. No. The general consensus in our comments was that a lot of people really thought this movie was funny. Uh Greg said that even though the robots have roughly the same aim as the stormtroopers, which is accurate, this movie is a cult classic and therefore it's a slash. We also have Eric who said it's a slash 100% comedy that actually works, great kills, especially the head explosion, a fun sex scene, and Dick Miller. And I agree that head explosion was a great kill. The best kill in the movie. It was, but that sex scene was not a good one. Yeah. Or fun. I actually didn't even remember the sex scene. None of those words are the ones I would use to describe it. (laughs) That's because the sex scene is when he asks, well, you allowed it last week, didn't you? And then the other guy says, you smell like pepperonis. I like pepperonis. That was the sex scene, Paris. Yeah, their rent-a-center orgy that they had. Maybe Maybe they just enjoyed it because it was group sex and that's what they're into. Well, gross. We won't kink shame anyone, Chris. We won't kink shame anyone. (laughs) Anyway, that's our follow-up. Well, let's move on to better times. Uh, Last September, we went back to 1983, and we took a look at a film that featured one of the most visually shocking endings in horror. And I know one of our friends said that Chopping Mall is a cult classic. This one is actually a cult classic of many cults, not just one tangential cult. This week, we're looking at the 1988 follow-up, which features little Angela Baker, all grown up, this time at a new summer camp. This week, we're talking about Sleepaway Camp 2, Unhappy Campers. And you know you're in for a ride with that title. Now, we know Mac and Alexis have seen the original Sleepaway Camp. We all, the three of us, rated it a universal slash back in September. But Paris, Ryan, you both watched the movie recently, before, in preparation for this episode. What did you think? So going into Sleepaway Camp, the first one, it's uh, definitely a movie I was apprehensive about. Of course, it's in the 80s. It seems unenjoyable. It seems like not something I was going to have a good time watching. Um, and I actually really enjoyed it. I would I would have gone slash if I was on that week. Wow. I know. Um, it definitely, I felt like it was super original. My expectations were completely flipped and then also i felt like it really played me as the watcher 
like it, I feel like I got a trick played on me at the end and I was cool with it in a good way. Um, so yeah, for me, that actually would have been a slash and I feel so surprised by that. I was blown away when I watched that, that I actually enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. I went into the, I went into the uh, original the same way, Ryan, I thought it was going to be shitty. Um, and in a lot of ways it was, uh, but there were also a lot of redeeming qualities, like the fashions kind of unparalleled as far as eighties horror goes. Um, and just like you, the twist at the end, it was actually so satisfying. Um, and just like that, which I'm assuming is probably iconic, that visual that they leave you with in the end is just so impactful that I also do have to give the original one a slash. Wow. I'm so proud of you. I'm proud of both of you. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not going to lie. When I saw that we rated the original Universal Slash, I was a little afraid for its reputation, bringing Ryan and Paris into the mix to see what they would think. I know. We're hard to please. I mean, immediately I started texting the group chat. Everyone else had seen it, of course. So I start texting at the beginning of this movie and I'm like, what is this garbage you guys have me watching? Um, but it ended up being so good. And like, I think... I knew at the beginning it was the boy that survived and then they played us the whole time. And then it was the boy that survived. And I, I just love that. Um, and also Paris, them shorts though, the men in short shorts. How was that? Oh, it was lovely. I actually, I was thinking because on last week's episode, I don't know if this went on, I don't know if this made it into the episode, but I went on record as saying I'm no longer a crop top gay. And I completely relapsed after watching that movie. I am once again, a crop top gay. I think you still shouldn't be, but <laughs> I short, can't help it. men in short shorts is the thing I'm trying to, uh, it's my platform that I'm running on this year. <laughs> it needs to come back for sure. I love it. The little chubbies that guys are wearing now. That's what they're called. <laughs> I'm okay. sorry, what? They're actually called chubbies. Yeah, that's okay. a brand. The brand of shorts? Yes. Oh, God. Paris can. <laughs> that's ironic. Okay, so <laughs> if you're into chubbies, whatever, step your game up. Look into silkies. They're the best. They're also called ranger panties. So if you search some Instagram for some Ranger panties, you're going to find some stuff you're probably going to enjoy. That sounds exactly like something I would not Google. Thank you. Indeed. I just <laughs> need to clarify, though, the muscle head guy, real tan, you know, that guy. Yeah. His he was wearing underwear. He was not wearing shorts. They He was wearing them out like they were shorts, but those were not shorts. Those were a little too <laughs> short. But everyone else has swim trunks that were like upper thigh. It's a good look. I'm a big fan. Well, delightful. I'm so glad to know that this movie managed to survive. We'll see how you feel about the fashions and men in this movie. Now, while I had seen the original Sleepaway Camp several times in my life, I had never seen Sleepaway Camp 2 Electric Boogaloo. Had never done it. I think the reason why... Is everyone here familiar with the rest of the Halloween movies beyond like Halloween 1 and 2? No. Generally. All right. So there's an actress named Danielle Harris who plays Jamie, Jamie Lloyd. Um, she's in part four and part five, and she gives a stellar performance as a young girl. Her character becomes an adult in part six. And my expectation would have been that she made it to part six, like as the actress, like she's the only one who's ever portrayed this character. And then they replaced her. Um, and that disappointed me. So when I heard that Felissa Rose, who plays the original Angela in Sleepaway Camp, wasn't in Sleepaway Camp 2, I had no interest in watching it. But how about you guys? Had you seen this movie before? Definitely not. I don't think I'd even heard of Sleepaway Camp until we recorded, you know, recorded it. So I guess I had semi heard of this one simply because of the first one. But now I don't even real. I didn't even realize that there was a sequel. To be honest, I'm sure we may have discussed the fact during our recording of the the first movie, but didn't really hear of it. Never watched it growing up. 
Yeah, I had known that the, it, there's like multiple movies of this. Like there's an entire, you know, sleepaway universe. But I never once had ventured past one. But you know what? I was very confident that I wanted to watch three today. But I didn't want to get so confused because um, right. two and three were filmed, what, continuously? Mm -hmm. So I was like, I don't want to get super confused on watching the two and then bringing up something that happened in three in the podcast. Great choice. I'm so glad you did that. But <laughs> when we break from here, you're free to watch it. Fair Thank game. you. Thank you. Are you saying Peter Jackson copied Sleepaway Camp? By filming back to back? Basically. But here's what else I would encourage you to do. Do not do what I did. I watched two. Then I watched three. Then I watched Return to Sleepaway Camp. Return to Sleepaway Camp is misleading because it's hot garbage. Uh, <laughs> the original director from the first Sleepaway Camp is back at the helm. And I shit you not, it is one of the most horrible things I've ever seen. Isn't it almost like 20 years later that they recorded it? It is. And it brings even brings back uh, Ricky from the first movie. It brings back the um, like one of the counselors and Felissa Rose comes back in it as well. And somehow there, it's not even those three necessarily that bring the movie down. It's everything else about it. So watch out. Jeez. Well, I was excited. Noted. Is that like watching one of the late 2000s like reboots? you watch it and you're like just pretend it don't exist it doesn't exist it's like if the guy behind thanks killing made a sleepaway camp movie <sighs> yeah oh trashy i know, I know. <laughs> say no more but what did you guys expect from this then it was interesting because i knew you were gonna ask this question because you ask it every week but um, i thought about myself i'm like what would i ever think sleepaway camp 2 would be about like it, it leaves off kind of the first one at this mysterious okay just cut scene so you don't know what it necessarily happens at the end so i just thought there would be like another killer that at another camp and it would just be like every other sequel to a slasher 80 slasher you know picking up where the roots left off or it might be another killer so it was interesting i think i'm on the same boat i expected because the first one wasn't what i expected um the second one i was thinking you know this should will probably go another route like like you said another killer another camp something like that um well, there's another camp i guess but that was I, I don't know i think the first one just sets you up to expect the unexpected so going into this one it's hard to know what you're gonna get i totally agree when my boyfriend and i watched this we actually watched them back to back as a double feature um so I didn't have a lot of time to process the first one before starting the second one. So I, w I started the second one with still kind of mixed feelings about the first. I wasn't sure if I liked it or not. Um, so going into the second, I was like, I, we have to watch this, but I can't imagine it's going to give me the same feeling that the first one did. So the, the bar was lower than even the first one was because the first one actually surprised me so much. Does that make sense? It does. Okay, good. I hear you. And I respect you. <laughs> I initially expected it to be trash. I expected it to be like one of those like directed DVD sequels we get, you know, like Jarhead 2, where like not even related to the first movie whatsoever. But then I did myself the disservice of reading the summary or the description of the movie before even watching. I didn't even watch a trailer. I just watched like, I just like pulled up the movie and like read the summary. You know, because better, it shows Matt. it to you when you're about to watch it. I know, but like, I just. It was right there on the screen and, and I read pretty fast and it was in my brain immediately. So what I expected was unfortunately another horrible ending shot of something I didn't want to see. Oh, that's what I was expecting. I was expecting to see 
the ending of the first one on screen again. Oh, that would be cool. Mm. I don't know if you, I don't think that would be cool. Are you disappointed by the lack of penis in this movie? I am not disappointed. I'm very happy it didn't happen, but I was expecting it and I was like, please don't. I just, I got enough on the first one, you know? I think this is the one acceptable spoiler, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, There's no penis in this movie. So there you go. Far from it. Boo. Lots of boobs. Lots of boobs. Lots of boobs. Oh, yeah. (laughs) First thing, you know what time it is. I had low expectations for this movie, given that I knew Felissa Rose wasn't in it. And then I did just a little bit of of pre-work just to mentally prepare myself and get myself in that headspace. And uh, I was very surprised that Pamela Springsteen is in it. When it came down to the expectations, I saw the approach and one of the first things that is revealed in the description of the movie uh, is the fate of, of Angela and how she is now seated as Angela. And I expected it to kind of lose the gravity. And what really makes the identity of the original film so significant and how it has aged so well. And when I think about it, I I expected some of the same humor. Like, I feel like the original has, like, some charming humor. Yeah, I don't think it went outright to be funny, though. Yeah, no, it didn't. It didn't. Uh, So the original, it's like things are funny by consequence. And because it feels like a real group of kids at a summer camp. And I was hoping for that. This one, though, it's like they were really trying hard to be funny. Like they leaned really hard, like they pulled that lever and they're like, we're going to make everything a pun. We're going to make everything like the darkest humor possible, but we're going to go so far past dark that it's no longer dark. And we're just going to come right back around to campiness. And I love some camp. Um, I don't know if they, the humor landed well for me in this movie. And that's something we're going to have to explore. Well, they were in a camp. Does that count? No, it doesn't. Okay. I mean, it was intense, if anything. <sighs> <laughs> oh, I hate you both. <laughs> Love you. But what about you guys? Was there anything significant that, that surprised or disappointed you from your expectations? Uh, I was really surprised by how Pamela Springsteen portrayed the character uh, because it's almost like a complete 180 from Felissa Rose's portrayal of Angela. Uh, she's much more talkative, we could say that. And it, like you said, Chris, it took a, a much more intentional deliberate comedic direction that i also wasn't expecting but i won't lie some of the things actually did make me laugh i had like one or two moments that i laughed at that's generous though what about you ryan for me i was surprised by like we were just talking about what we expected um i was surprised by what the story ended up being Uh, i did not read the description y'all know i hate a trailer and a description um i've waited it for this one so this is actually what i expected the original uh sleepaway camp to be like this this storyline obviously i mean it ties to the first one but like this type of thing person killing people at a camp is is exactly what i was expecting for the first one i feel that too yeah so it threw me off and i was like okay this is weird because now i have to like reset because the first one was very surprising and the second one i feel like was much less surprising much more predictable in ways much more like transparent or like at face value yes and i really enjoyed i Sometimes the whodunit part of a movie can be kind of uh, exhausting. And in the first one, the the whodunit bit of it was really enjoyable. And they just completely took that away here. They were just like, hey, here's your killer. It was so predictable that they didn't even bother to change. She didn't bother to change her first name. Like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Which I was like, what? Better alias. Better alias, please. But... I'm I'm going along with you, Chris. Like I literally thought, even I'm like so far removed from this movie, seeing as September 
and I hadn't seen, well, and I haven't seen this since then. Literally, I felt like I was watching two different movies, two different directors, two different writers, like just like, mm-hmm. hey, we're just going to take this girl and put her in and then everything else. I mean, it was just it was just not the same feel as it was the first. And that was surprising. I, I got to go along with that because I complained when we when we recorded about the about the first film, about how I felt there wasn't a enough of a clearly established like motivation um, due to the trauma that Angela experiences as a child. Like it just didn't, it didn't like, I could see the pieces, but it didn't link, link up in my mind. But I feel like the motivation, in this movie just, it, it feels like two different characters because it was so clearly defined. Like she outwardly says it in several cases, what the motivation is. And it, so it was like, it was definitely a more of a refined feeling in terms of who the character was, at least as, as a teenager slash adult. So it was, it was very surprising. I didn't get the same character from the first movie. I got almost a completely different character, which they also ex- kind of elaborate, you know, they kind of explained a little bit in the film. Um, but you, you got, you got the feeling of like, this is a like certain person. I can understand like why they're doing the things they're doing. And, you know, I mean, while ridiculous, I, I at least like understand where they're, where they're coming from, although they're psychotic, but I also, to add to what Alexis is saying, it's interesting how close together these movies came out and how different they feel. I was like, awesome. So the next one, it, it has to feel more modern than this one. And it doesn't. It almost feels the opposite. Like, if you didn't know, based on the story, the first Sleepaway Camp could have been released later in the 80s. It feels more modern than the second one, I think. The relation between the two kind of reminded me when I was when I was binging Friday the, uh, Friday the 13th to where like you get this like you get this universe of friday the 13th but each movie can feel very different in terms of like its campiness and in terms of like the character motivations and stuff yeah but there's like always that like recipe kind of going on of what's going on in the camp yeah and then you get jason goes to hell and it's like all bets are off (laughs) do we get an angela goes to hell because that would be amazing we deserve it at this point really felissa rose come back please take angela to hell and let's get this party started or to the boiler room (laughs) yes uh instead of it's a sleepaway camp it's it's not gonna be sleepaway glamp and we're gonna have it all like in in a temperature control building sleepaway glamp angela's in a yurt in Asheville. (laughs) (laughs) not a yurt i feel like as a result of how much humor this movie had it really wasn't scary for me what did you guys think about that i've never been less scared (laughs) definitely not scared about anything well maybe one thing got me kind of scared we can talk about it when we talk about the gore Mm, interesting oh i know what you're going with where you're going with this um there is nothing that is frightening on its face what is slightly alarming the negative stereotypes that this movie perpetuate and the way that you have this this story that People kind of rush to say, oh, no, that's not good representation. But really, when you look back on it, you look at the core of the story and gender expression and identity, it tells a totally different story. And then you take a hard right turn and just go off into the wild with this version of Angela. And it's like, what are you doing? This movie cannot be remade today. Now, and this is part of the reason I had trouble rating the first movie. And it was even more amplified in the second movie where not only there's, is there like completely inflammatory language towards LGBTQ people, but just like the entire character of Angela and the motivation to, you know, to kill, it was, it was really kind of hard to stomach until I just had to put it in its place and like, okay, it's in the eighties and they, 
you know, they don't really understand how the world works back then, apparently. Yeah. It's also highly patriarchal. It's very evident that men were behind the movie and couldn't even make a compassionate female villain that you could root for in the same way that you could root for Freddy, Jason, Michael, etc. You had that in Sleepaway Camp. You lost that in Sleepaway Camp, too. I will say that I did appreciate there are a few little nuggets of meta moments in here that while it's another horror movie that takes that takes place at camp, it still manages to keep up the the sleepaway camp reputation of having some fairly original kills. Um, It's wild. It's a wild movie. But what about you guys? Did you find anything original about it? This one I didn't feel like was original. This is like, like I said, this is what I expected from a camp killer. It's tough because going back to your mention of like they're referencing other horror movies. It's weird because they didn't do it in the silly way that you would get in a lot of movies like, you know, um, the not another teen movies of, of the horror universe, but they did it in kind of a way that was like, you know, like nodding towards those movies. So it was, it was interesting because like, I didn't feel like it was a spoof, but there was moments that were definitely kind of spoofing on some other movies and, and, and referencing them. Um, so while it was, fairly cliched i just i don't know it was its own little original recipe of cliches yeah no i I completely agree like it's filled with a whole bunch of tropes and a a lot of stuff that's meta in it and like it could reference any movie but it does it in a really good way not like a it feels like you're in it. So there it's in this universe, you know, when they were talking about Freddy and stuff like that. And when someone dresses up as Freddy, it's not like, I mean, it's because people have done that. Like, but that's like a thing like that. Those are the people that are villainous in, in this. I do have a solid 19 tropes listed down. Ooh, I'd love to hear every for single that one. <laughs> it's, girl, it's a rough list. Let me, <laughs> let me be clear about that. It's a rough list. But with that, I do. I, I, I think this is fairly original. I feel like we're kind of overlooking the originality that exists with a transgender female serial killer. For me, I haven't seen anything with that before. Does that exist? I mean, besides the the original? No, I agree. And that's kind of like what I was alluding to in terms of the harmful stereotypes that uh, I want to really unpack in the second half and really break down like the story of Angela at this point. Um, You're right. It it never nothing has been. Nothing has shown up like that before, and people assume that about the first movie, but really, Angela in the first movie is not trans. Right. Angela is Peter, who is forced to live as Angela, who is forced to cross-dress, who has experienced unrelenting amounts of trauma and made to live and express a gender that they do not themselves identify with. And so it's, it's super harmful in that way. And granted, sure, have I not seen anything like it before? Absolutely. It wasn't, it wasn't my cup of tea. I feel like this movie could have did a lot in exploring that and made it a little bit better. I think they it would just pay credit to you know the first film. I I have some trouble with with how they. I mean, I've mentioned it obviously, but how they deal with Angela's backstory, and in this one, it becomes like a campfire story, and it's obviously treated with no respect for you know for the person that's going through this this trauma, you know from from the first film. So it's it's kind of hard to watch. I mean, I, while watching it, I have to place it in its historical context and like understand, you know, the level of understanding that people might've had in the eighties and, and the level of disrespect, like utter disrespect that they showed. Oh bro. Wait for the racism you get in part three. Oh goodness. Cause I feel like it's bad enough. But... You got a little bit of slurs here, slurs everywhere. And I mean, 
that's that's such a trouble I have watching a lot of 80s movies is do you do you put them in this context understanding that back then it seemed culturally okay? Or do you think about it from 2020 where you're like, that's just not cool, man. So that's an interesting question because I asked myself that and I'm like, oh, you know what? I like 80s movies though and I know that they're super stuck in the time frame that they're in. But then I look at just about I can't, I can't even remember beyond like getting to Rob Zombie's Halloween. I don't remember a single Halloween movie in which um, any gay slurs were thrown around. Maybe maybe it happened in like five and six because I don't watch those movies as much, but I don't recall that. And I can think of, you know, when a stranger calls, uh, he knows you're alone. Strang- when a stranger calls is from the seventies, but he knows you're alone. Another eighties movie. Uh, I can think of so many eighties movies in which those types of slurs don't happen at all because it doesn't need it to be scary. It doesn't need it to feel for the characters or to kind of put a timestamp on them, so to speak. But I also think that plays into Paris, you know, what we were talking about in our Pride episode, where you look at the representation and the way it's evolved. And in the beginning, we are monsters. And now we are not. But we haven't gotten enough movies where there's an Angela who's a hero. And that is the big problem I have with this movie. But there's still some more to uncover. Uh, Obviously, this movie ends not in the same way the original does. How did you guys feel about that? I was very happy about that ending. So much happier than the first one. The ending actually reminded me a lot of Showgirls um, because there's also a scene with Nomi Malone and a truck and a cowboy hat. Um, and they had a similar hairstyle like with the curls all up. So those are the that's the energy I got from this ending. I feel like there's a lot of movies that end like that. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like, it just reminded me of a movie. I have never seen Showgirls, so I know it doesn't remind me of that. But it definitely does remind me of horror movies where you're like, oh my gosh, they got away. And you're like, no, they didn't like at all. And I appreciate the ending of the first one and this one as well. I really enjoyed it. I feel the same way about the ending as I feel about the rest of this movie. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start making our way there then. Let's do it. Obviously, we have a little bit of, of work to button up here before we rate this movie, but let's start here. Alexis, how many people died? 18. We got about a count of 18. Oh, I'm wow. pretty happy about this one. Yeah, it's it's a sneaky 18, too, because it, it takes a little bit to, well, we get a, a, a one death pretty early on, but then it kind of evenly paces itself. Yeah, it's like uh, one every like four minutes or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Someone did the math. Alexis there with the stopwatch. And Ryan, how about that animal report? Animal report is looking good. You're all in the clear. Nice. Here we are then. Let's go ahead and get down to business. Sleepaway Camp 2. Unhappy campers. Did it leave you as an unhappy camper? Hacker slash. It was tough for me because I was like, all right, there's a handful of stuff I don't like about this movie. And then there's surprisingly a lot of stuff that I actually enjoyed about this movie and I think lately when I'm watching it I'm like okay is this a total joke is this a waste of time is this a waste of time and a lot of the movies we have I'm like why the hell at the end this is so stupid why did I see this but this one didn't leave that in my mouth it really didn't I I enjoyed some of the humor although a lot of it is dated um there were a lot of one-liners um from Angela that I really appreciated and although it was completely different from the first one I kind of just kept that out of my head and for what it's worth this movie I'm definitely giving it a slash not the biggest slash ever but a slash I'm excited for you because <laughs> I know everyone's gonna hack this <laughs> I don't know I don't know I don't feel confident in that and I feel like you are like on the fence a little but more oh, yeah. more to the slash side. Yeah. yeah. Um, to 
go off of some of the things that you mentioned, um, this movie left me with that taste in my mouth um, of why did I watch this? <laughs> so so many things being tasted in my mouth. <laughs> so many <laughs> tastes. Um, I think I think I'm at a little bit of a disadvantage because I watched this immediately after the first one, and I think that really does sway how I felt about it. Um, I am hard pressed to find many things that I enjoyed in this movie. I didn't get to like know or care for any of the characters um i mean obviously like angela is one but everyone like i couldn't name one other person not that that's that abnormal but (laughs) i couldn't name a single other person that was significant um they were just like chick that always has her boobs out chick that like yeah you know just uh, they start all looking the same yeah they start all looking the same (laughs) um yeah this movie is what i don't like about 80 slashers and I, I was bored, not excited, and it's a hack for me. Talking about unhappy campers, wow. Yeah, it did make me an unhappy camper, not going <laughs> to lie. Well, maybe we should turn that front upside down and sing, I'm a happy camper. <laughs> yeah, another thing I hated. Okay, great. <laughs> I uh, I actually was a happy camper with this movie, oddly enough. So the ending I found much more satisfying than the first film. Huh. And... The character motivation I found to be much better because it was much clearer in this film. There are two different motivations in in both movies. The first movie, we're dealing with a lot of trauma and a lot of bullying. And the second movie, we're dealing with with the characters like I don't know what I don't know how you get to describe it, but they're like striving for a certain like bar of excellence that they don't think other humans are are achieving, which was unfair by them. Okay, Jigsaw. Right. I mean, honestly, yeah. So not only that, but the variety of kills was massive. Like each kill I found to be satisfying in its own way. And they were kind of like long drawn out kill sequences. We didn't get like the, all right, a kill starts and we just like cut away thing that you get from a lot of 80s movies. In many situations, we got to like see the kill happen, which was like super fun. And I know Alexis is going to disagree with me. One of 18. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Two there, of 18. There was Sorry, a lot more that I think we got to that we got to enjoy with, yeah. with, the, with the variety of kills here, which was super cool because when we watch a lot of camp killing movies, it's usually like you pick one weapon, they use that weapon, they kill everybody with that weapon, the movie's over. And this one, like the killer's like, I'm going to find whatever weapon is, is close by. Sometimes it's not even a weapon. It's just whatever I can use to kill them. And I was very satisfied. The nods to other horror movies I found fun. I didn't find it to be like cheesy, although it was campy, of course. But I actually I actually enjoyed it. I expected that. Yeah. So it's a slash for me. All right. Um, so I feel like my feelings about this movie can best be expressed through song. Uh, so here I go. <clears throat> oh, I'm a happy camper. I thought this would be trash. But actually, when I watched it, it was a total slash. What? I love that. I love this movie so much, you guys. That, and when I, listen, when I love something, I love something. So, you know, I watched the third one and then I watched a documentary and then I watched like five different YouTube videos talking about these movies. Oh, I wish I did that. Where are we? What universe is this? I've always struggled to find like my footing with 80s horror, like to find that feeling that Chris has when she sees Halloween or like the way Ryan feels about Freddy. Um, but Angela is my Freddie. She is a queen. She is an icon. She brought Pamela Springfield brought so much hilarity and like 
really intentional energy with her character choices, I feel like. I feel like she was pulling from the Aunt Martha character in the original movie, who clearly had a huge influence on the character. And let me tell you, I love this franchise so much that I may have bought some merch. Oh my <laughs> we are right now looking at Paris wearing a t-shirt I for Sleepaway Camp. I am obsessed with this. <laughs> this is my Camp Arawak t-shirt. I may buy another one for Camp New Horizons or Camp Rolling Hills uh, because I think, one, the aesthetic is super cute. Uh, and two, this is my favorite 80s movie horror franchise of all time. Okay, I need to describe this really quickly for <laughs> listeners. So usually Paris is wearing some sort of see-through shirt, okay? We usually see nipple. We can always see nipple. Always see nipple. It's either <laughs> on the side, coming through. Tonight, he's wearing a buttoned-up plaid shirt. And we all were like, up. yeah, buttoned all the way up. And we were like, what's going on? I was like, not only is he wearing one shirt, fully a non an opaque shirt he's wearing two and then during this reveal he just unbuttoned his plaid shirt to show the camp <laughs> airwag oh y'all wanted a twist ac off right now too yeah. in florida he sweat for that <laughs> yeah you know how hot i've been waiting for this reveal <laughs> also i just want to point out that he not only saw this movie a couple days ago for the first time and loved it that much he bought merch for it. What? Yeah, I bought this merch. In a pandemic, where'd you even find the merch? <laughs> How did you? Thank you, terrorthreads.com. They are not a sponsor, but if they want to be, they can hit us up on social media. <laughs> Fast shipping, great quality. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. I need a hat. I am I am shook. I would buy that shirt because I love the first one, but oh my gosh, I am shook. I think if you're into men ripping off their shirts, if you had seen this, you would have just pitched a tent. Hold on, honestly? I'm not into men ripping off their shirts, but I'm into what Paris just did. That was great. <laughs> I loved this movie, and I can't wait to talk about it after the break. I'm loving this. I am totally loving this. It's always nice to see, like, when someone finds their like their like itch for horror, like their 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 thing. Gosh, I was this really is awesome. counting on you, Paris. I even said before we started recording. Listen, it's the perfect sweet spot of like over the top gore and camp comedy that just like. Mm, it does it for me yeah no, that's very that's very paris when you stop to think about it you guys i whispered to paris before we started recording and said i'm counting on you tonight <laughs> you understanding that he would be on my side here and i and had all not. of this planned ryan how does it feel to be lonely oh I, i'm cool <laughs> you guys can have this movie wait we still have one more though so true because i think you're gonna join me yeah I don't know. We'll see. Because I do love the original Sleepaway Camp. It is one of my favorite 80s slashers. Um, I would actually place it as my favorite summer camp movie, right? Valid. So way better than the Friday the 13th movies we get. I know I hacked the original one, which we'll have to revisit at some point because it has some new feelings that have emerged. Um, when I look at this movie and I look at how great the first one is and I look at how comedic this one is, right? Chopping Mall, we have watched, we've discussed, and I was like, man, I know on paper I should like this movie. Like, maybe I'm having a bad day. I'm throwing that flag out on the table. Like, I might need to revisit this. And so I started watching this movie, and I knew which direction it was going to go. And then we get some slurs. And then we get um, a killer who has had a story twisted in such a way that I feel equals more into harmful representation than anything positive. And I think it's so indicative of what has actually set back so many movements. Um, it is it is expressed on screen something that is oppressive. And I look at the 
even the nature of the kills, I feel like in the first movie that we get, it's really like evenly mixed about who has their uppins come to them. In this movie, it's all like, oh, I don't like the way these women are behaving. So it's very patriarchal. Uh, looking at this, there's a lot of great things in it. I think um, the final girl we get is incredible. She's actually like pretty high up there for me in terms of final girls. Um, the humor, there are a couple moments where I really, really laughed. And there are a, a few... A few things about Pamela Springsteen's performance that I give her a lot of credit for because she she took this material and ran with it. And she ran further than I think most people can run. I mean, that that's just what it is. When I look at this, though, it was a total joke. It was a waste of my time. I could have lived without seeing this movie. And I could have lived without seeing the third movie that I even committed to watching after that just to give it a shot. Um, this is not like Chopping Mall. This is not a movie where I need to revisit it because maybe I was having a bad day. Um, this is just kind of shitty. I'm so glad you're here. I love it here. <laughs> and I'm glad that I am here to give this hack physically in person in Virginia and again reunited with Ryan so I could support her it, it feels way better not gonna lie she would be like oh great now I'm like stuck here trying to stuck here with these people that like this movie wow <laughs> so there we have it folks uh, sleep away camp to unhappy camper only left two of us as unhappy campers and three of us somehow enjoyed it we have a lot to talk about we have a lot to break down in terms of the kills in this movie because even i will give it credit for that it's it's inventive it's creative but you can find this movie streaming for free in a number of places i know it's on youtube for sure and it's also on amazon prime video so give that a shot check it out i know only three of us recommend it but check it out you'll have at least a good laugh and join us in the second half so we can unpack it we'll see you in a bit What's up, dudes? Remember me? I'm Slater from Slater's Canoe Rentals, now with 1,000% more canoes. But today, I'm not here to talk about canoes. Chainsaws. Chainsaws are fun, bro. For real. And if you need to, like, cut down a tree or whatever, Slater's Chainsaw Rentals is where it's at. I've got some sick chainsaws. Like, wow. Big chainsaws? Giggity. Small chainsaws? All the chainsaws. Just make sure to wash them before bringing them back because blood is, like, super tricky to clean off. And now, just for you, free chlamydia testing with every rental. So come on back to Slater's Chainsaws. All right, welcome back. Sleep away to camp two, unhappy campers. I earned two hacks, but more importantly, somehow mysteriously and earned three slashes. We have a lot to talk about, but first off, Alexis, what's up with the gore score? I am torn on this um just because it's 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 a lot of off screen it's a lot of deaths but it's a lot of off screen so i know like when i was talking about why i gave it a slash um i definitely didn't mention all the kills um i think because i was just a little disappointed in um it, a lot of it being off screen you see the tool you see possibly an insert or and then you see the aftermath. You don't see anything in between. And you guys know I love a good like give me all the gruesome details, all that sort of stuff. So there's a few that um I know Matt had mentioned, but I think it might have just been two you see, but uh <laughs> including one big one. I, 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 I think I have a couple that I I try to like keep track of all of them. Where I got frustrated was we get down to like a decapitation and then everything after that is so 
either off screen or like you just see the aftermath of i'm like well where was all the work you did before angela what's up i know exactly especially because i feel like some of those deaths or the bodies that were in this cabin that she had i was like mm, i never saw that one i had never been in the movie up until this yeah. point it's <laughs> <laughs> like but did she kill him or did she not? But yeah, no, I think if you're watching this movie during the time it's made, I definitely think you, people would say this is like a high gore score, especially when you see a decapitation. Clearly a fake head, but... Uh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so that, I was a little bit on the fence for a lot of things in this movie. And honestly, if I could look past the representation or lack thereof in this movie, when I saw that dummy head... I actually had to pause and rewind and confirm that it wasn't my bad vision, that I was seeing what I was, in fact, seeing. That was the worst instance of a body being decapitated in a movie that I've ever seen. Uh, for sure. The special effects, if they were just a tad bit better, I feel like this movie would have been just elevated a little bit more. What about the decapitation in Graduation Day? I feel similarly about that one. Oh, yeah, I think that, <laughs> that one didn't same. strike me quite as offensively as this one yeah, did. Yeah, this one was Because this bad. one, it's like you want to try to cut, you want to do that motion with the actor sitting there and then with the dummy sitting there, right? And if they had just cut a couple frames after so that dummy head is less visible, it would have been fine. That's what most films do. This one, they cut it way too early. It's like when the when the machete is like above her head, yeah, they cut she. it. <laughs> it's not like when it's about to make impact. It was just, ugh. YouTubers are out here doing better work than this movie. <laughs> I mean, I'll go on record as saying this decapitation and fake head was as shitty as Alien, Prom Night, the one Max said. Because they all look bad and they all look equally shitty. Like, it's a fake head. No one's convinced. But you kind of grade these things on a curve, no? Because it's like an old movie with shitty effects. No. Even if we graded this on the curve, this would still get an F. But they all get Fs. No, no, no. They all get Cs. This is how bell curves work. Yeah. <laughs> but no somebody has way. a good F still. They all look bad. In prom night, you have a decapitation and then the head rolls down the disco the disco walk. And that's exciting. This one, you get a dummy getting his head cut off. And then it's just in a TV later. It's like, okay. I mean, in the TV, it was pretty cool. Okay. Exciting. Yeah. But was it believable looking? No, it looked so fake too. It looked yeah. like a fake Nothing in horror movies is believable unless it's Terrifier with a hacksaw. Oh, God. That is true. So I know before um, the break that we took, I said this movie was not scary. But then I said there were parts. So this isn't my favorite kill. I'll, I'll tell you guys after that. And I'm excited to see out of the 18 kills what's y'all's favorite. But um, the scariest thing was um, Allie and the porta potty Or uh, it's not a porta potty Outhouse. And I know because one time I spent time in Montana, um, my cousin was working out there, long story short. And I was like, you know, I've never been to like Montana before or anywhere out west. Did you meet Hannah? No. Oh, oh my Lord. God. I did not meet Hannah. Disappointing. <laughs> and she's staying in this like yurk. Yurt. Yurt. Yeah. Um, I rented a cabin for $200 a night. Um, no running water. No nothing. Not Not even a stove. Girl, you got bamboozled. I did. I was like, what the that's hell? A, that's a wooden tent. People don't even pay $200 a month for rent in Montana. 
I'm kidding. I, oh, no. They probably- <laughs> you totally could have gotten a way better Airbnb deal somewhere. Oh, I definitely could. I was definitely ripped off, but like, where else was I going to stay? So there's an outhouse, and every night we would like both have to go to the bathroom. So we would just be like, all right, we'll just pee right outside the house. Ooh. Like, we'll walk outside, there's a porch drop right there because we didn't want to go in the outhouse at night because there's bears walking around. There's like spiders, it's like wildlife. Anyway, it's, it's Montana. We were one time she had to go and I felt so bad. She had to go number two (gasps) and we both, I was like standing outside because there's no room for her to get in. But like, it was the scariest thing being in like outside the outhouse and just during the day being inside the outhouse because it's just this hole and you don't know what's coming out of it. Like, or I don't know. I've watched so many scary movies. I think someone's going to start crawling out of it. Or what has gone into it. That's the scarier part. Right? That was scarier than this movie. That story right there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, that was scary. Like being in that, like that's just disgusting. So are, and, you're yeah. like surrounded by the wilderness of Montana, right? Mm, yes. Like the only way we got cell service is we hiked like up a mountain. You really should have just saved it for the day. Just like held on to it. And just like in full view of, of the beautiful scenery, just let it loose while viewing everything. Like, no, you don't need for an outhouse. Just go into the middle of a field Hello? and free yourself. How did we get here? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to wrap my <laughs> part up. Uh, can't wait to hear what you guys have to say. But um, with the campiness and the whole like meta, um, I love the names in this movie. So I'm, of course, going to have to go with um, my favorite kill is going to be um, Demi. Demi Moore. Mm. Um, <laughs> so she, I think I just love the whole how this like lingers. Um, and it's a, uh, she like Angel's going throughout this whole entire cabin, like, and testing out objects to kill her that I thought it was just so great. It was so great. And just this whole like spoofiness. I mean, it's just, it, it's just cool. And then when she gets to her, you know, Demi's not paying attention to anything she's saying. She's just telling her the story. Yeah, she's like, I thought this was weird. Anyway, and she's like, you talk too much, and then just kills her. And I loved it. I was like, you talk too much, die. That was actually my favorite scene as well, just because like that whole extended bit that she does, like picking up different weapons and being like, hmm, could I hit her over the head with this? Or like, hmm, maybe I'll stab her with that. It's so awesome. It's It's hilarious. Um, It wasn't my favorite kill, though. My favorite kill was kind of, I don't know, it might seem lame, but it was the kill with the drill when she's in the car with Mare and she's just like drilling her relentlessly. You mean like the Slumber Party Massacre? Kind of, yeah. It had it had a similar vibe. But what I loved that uh, Pamela Springsteen brought to it was just her face during it because she was like wincing, like, ew, this is gross. But like also just like mercilessly drilling this girl to death and, and just like, oh, no, there's blood getting on my face and like turning away. Like those little choices that she made in her performance really just like sealed the deal for me with this. Did you love the dialogue before that when... Uh... Mayor was like, are you looking for a gun? And she goes, no, I'm not. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking for this. <laughs> that was the best. I loved all like the preamble before the kills. The dialogue was solid. That was going to be my favorite because of that. Because it was so funny, the setup for it. But now I feel like I have to pick a new one because there's so many to choose from in this movie. So I <laughs> think is. I'm going to pick the Schott sisters. I think is, is yes. that their, their actual name? The shit, whatever they said. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because I found it so funny that like they're burnouts and she burns them. Oh, I didn't even get that. But that is great. Yeah. I didn't right? pick up on that either. But I like that. But it surprised me because 
when the one sister wakes up and sees her other sister like literally burnt to a crisp on the grill, you see like the grating of the grill. And I'm just like before you even see the the, the skeleton. And I was like, oh, my God, she's going to burn them. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. Like that's so it, like a burning death is atrocious. And then you pan up and see the skeleton sister and you're like, oh, yeah, she's burning them to death. This is horrible. But I think she mentioned something about learning a lesson. And I was at the time I was like, well, you can't really learn a lesson if you're dead. It's so. difficult. Yeah. I had that thought too. That's a wasted lesson. But I just love that setup of like she's literally burning the burnouts. Like, oh, mm. brutal. For me, I liked a bunch of the kills, but I actually don't have a favorite because I kind of feel the same about all of them. I feel kind of just like, eh, like yeah. I wish I saw more. I wish it was yeah. like, I, again, I think it's tainted by the first one. I really enjoyed the like shots that we had of like the bees, the burn, like the shots from the first the one. The curling iron shadow. The curling iron, Ooh. yes. Oh my gosh. So all of those just gave me, and in a very intense, very eerie feeling. And then coming into this movie, I was just like, I mean, it, I, I don't know. I think it has to do with it being like so in your face and then you're not seeing the kills. What about the Freddy kill in a movie that's not a Nightmare on Elm Street? Yeah. And also a slice that did not correspond with the way the fa- the hand moved. Like stuff like that <laughs> drives me nuts. So, yeah. I mean, I liked the sisters, the grill. I had the same feelings as you when like you could see the grade of the grill and everything. But I, I don't have a favorite. Oddly enough. The only, beyond the fact that I I appreciated the fact that there were other horror movie references, um, and I know the Slumber Party Massacre one was a little bit of a reach, I did appreciate that for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre kill, she hits him in his thigh the same way Leatherface hit himself in the thigh. Uh, So she's slightly more confident than him, so that's fun. Um, But beyond that, I liked TC's death. Not necessarily because I like the mechanics of his own battery, like the acid from his own car battery being thrown on his face. More so I like the fact that because he was a kind of like a shitty counselor, he turned his eye on a lot of things and just wanted to have a problem with the only female counselor and that kind of pissed me off. So I was glad to see him go. He was like a knockoff Uncle Joey and I wasn't a fan. Oh, I had that (laughs) same feeling while watching it. His horrible mullet. There was so many mullets. So many mullets. In yeah, this movie. Paris. Did you relate? Is that why it's your favorite? No, uh, that mullet was gross. My mullet will be much better. Um, but to your point, Chris, about uh, him being a shitty counselor, I feel like, and I might be alone here, but I was Team Angela this whole time. Obviously, the the circumstances of this are suspect and problematic, um, but the outcome being this uh, newly transitioned woman gets out, uh, makes it through therapy, and she's like, okay, I'm good. I'm going to go to camp, and it's going to be therapeutic for me. Um, And then she's sort of reminded of all of the, like, just like the general lack of accountability that made her first time in camp, like, such a shit show. And with every, like, little reminder, she's like, oh, no, I actually have to kill you. Um, But the way she does it, she's, like, so delightful. So, like, you kind of see her spiral, but she's, like, smiling while it happens. And that's what I loved about it. Here's what I think you really love about it i think you love angela's capricorn energy oh yeah she's just like a stickler for the rules and she's not asking much i love the quote where she was like there's lots of great kids out there you just got to weed out the bad ones that was literally my mentality when i was like five years old so here's the thing i don't disagree with angela much but as a killer and knowing that like you can't get past the fact that this is sleepaway camp too some other horror franchises, like, you can treat the movies as 
a standalone feature. I think a lot of the Friday the 13th movies, even though there are threads that tie them all together, you can look at each one as an independent production. This movie, though, directly references the first movie, and you're never left a moment to forget about the first movie. And then I just think about the better Angela. I think about the Angela who was quiet and more relatable in an incognito kind of way. And um, while I agree with Angela as a being a stickler for the rules, because Lord knows I appreciate that highly, <laughs> while I appreciate her being the hardest working counselor, I still can't get behind this killer being Angela. Like, get, make this character anything else in another movie altogether. Don't make this Angela that we already knew. I think the best scenario in this movie was that Angela was not the killer. And obviously, they set us up from the first scene that Angela was the killer. But I think the best thing would have been if, if one of the kids at the camp had actually turned out to be the killer. But the entire time, we were assuming it was Angela. If we never got to see the killer and we were just like assuming it was her, in the very end, we find out that's mm-hmm. one of the goody-goody kids... That would have been so satisfying to actually see change from the character. Yeah, I agree. And I think I think a little more uh, mystery would have really made this movie a, a lot better for me. And maybe, I mean, obviously it wasn't their intention at all. They just wanted us to know that it was her. But it's like, I don't, I can't see behind, I don't want to see behind the curtain. You know, I need, I need a little, little, little mystery, a little trying to figure it out, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that was like very obvious. I was like, man, they are not trying to like give her any sort of alias and like any sort of like protection or not even protection. But if like if that happened to you, I'm sure Uncle John should be doing background checks on some of these people. (laughs) Also, can I just say this? I am so glad that Uncle John was not as creepy as the first camp owner. Yes. Oh, my my God. God, He was the worst. Also, what was Uncle John's accent? Because it kind of changed a couple of times, I feel like. It was interesting. He was very well-spoken Something Eastern parts. European, I bet. Yeah, I don't know. I liked it, though. Can we get that list of uh, tropes? Or it, oh, maybe man. just a few of them? Okay, yeah. So here we go. We have 80s hair. We have mullets, like Paris is growing. Oh, yeah. But his will be better. We have the alpha bitch. We have the affably evil. So we have Angela's friendly, but it's when she stops being friendly that you got to be scared. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the asshole victim. Uh, so literally everybody who dies in this movie is a piece of shit, except for like Uncle John, maybe. We have a berserk button. So we have like the one thing that drives this person crazy. For Angela, it's fornicating, illegal Oops. drugs, bringing up the fact that she used to be Peter, alcohol, and doing anything mean to Molly. We also have uh, a final girl fainting. Uh, we have a ghost story because, boy, it's not a good uh, summer camp movie if it doesn't start with a ghost story. Yep. And then we have Hotter and Sexier. So we have a sequel with significantly more explicit sex and nudity. Mm. The sex in this movie was so Ugh. unbelievable and so hard to watch. It was terrible. Oh, yeah. It was. It did seem like there was a lot of pain involved. In the bathroom scene, too. Yeah. Like, there was a lot of writhing and grinding for no reason. Really getting thrown around there. Yeah, I was like, I would not want to have sex like that. That is not how that was supposed to go. It seemed like they were fighting. I feel like it was intentional, though. Okay. A question for you, Ryan. How does this rank between this sex scene and the Town That Dreaded Sundown remake sex scene where it made you wish you were a little bit more gay? I would say that still the town that dreaded sundown remake was worse because we've all experienced something. (laughs) (laughs) 
agree. Well, maybe you have. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we have true to try too hard, and you're like, just stop. Or yeah, just stop. At least in this one, I think, uh, even though it seemed miserable, both people seemed miserable. They were both incompetent. Yeah, both incompetent. Got it. But see, it also it reminded me of the the sex scene in April Fool's Day where it like cuts to them and like all their limbs are like pretzeled together like it felt like they weren't actually trying to convey sex they were they were being campy with it until the second time they tried but wait at one point there was definitely some belly button licking going that's on. what that's what i was just gonna say yeah when yeah. they were in the belly button he did not go low enough no <laughs> i don't know i wouldn't know they completely missed the mark across the board she looked like she she for sure had a long torso, not a short one. <laughs> there was also a lot of bouncing, and I was like, "What are we? We're on sitting on the back of, of a toilet." Hitting things. It bouncing. was like something that, like, yeah, when you come in like from a cool night with a guy, and you're really into him, and you're kissing, and you're just like, oh, fumbling around because you can't find the lights, and it's like that, but it's like that times twenty in where, camp in the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. Also, why didn't he let her like get her pants off? He was like pulling her across the floor. Because he doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> they were both virgins. I'd also like to note, and and maybe we've had this conversation on episode the first episode about uh, Sleepaway Camp, the first one. Um, camps are not like this. Has anyone had any other experience? I went to summer camp a few times for like a week, not a full summer camp. But you also didn't go to summer camp in the 80s. True, but mixing ages like this is very not a good idea it was more mixed in the first sleepaway camp than i think this that's was. true well yeah. also they had these kids that looked tiny and young and then these adults yeah there was like some that were prepubescent and some that were way past puberty yeah you have a good point to be fair though i have heard from people that have actually gone to camps or worked at them that there is a lot of making out happening yeah i mean i expect that scandalous kids this this maybe some Midwest shit. Is this Midwest? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Midwest feels shit. like it. Yes. Hundred percent. Always at a lake. You know, yeah. There's always a lake involved. Yeah. I did day camp, but it was nothing like this. I mean, the worst thing we did was say Bloody Mary in the bathroom. We didn't do. Of like, course you did. Yeah. You know, I wasn't about kissing. I was like, let's go do this. No, I'm kidding. I was terrified. I was like, please do not open the portal to hell right now. Sorry. Random side note. You know what the first movie taught me? It taught me that boys do so much more fun stuff and girls are just in their rooms talking trash to each other. Mm -hmm. That's literally what the whole movie is. I'm like, I want to go, this is my whole life experience. I want to go throw water balloons at people and not be in the room talking trash and, you know, fighting each other. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. You don't want to uh, stick around with curling irons all day. Yeah, man. No fun. So I, I did go to camp when I was little. Um, and honestly, it is kind at least my experience, it is kind of like this because all of our camp counselors were just like super cool, like hot teenagers that were older than us and like honestly didn't really care that much about what went on. Um, and it was very like Lord of the Flies, like every kid for themselves kind of thing, which like didn't bode well for me specifically. Um, I was definitely like somebody trying to like hang out with the camp counselors because I was like, oh, you guys are much more mature. Like I don't get those kids. It's the sex that I don't. Yeah, think is real. I don't know that they ever had sex, and that's for the best yeah. because I was a child. <laughs> um, but there was one story in particular where there was like a loosely orchestrated uh, Connect Four tournament, and obviously I won. But the girl that I beat got really mad and like flipped the picnic table, and like the checkers went everywhere. And I was like, "What the fuck? Like that was crazy! Like don't be mad, I won." Um, so I'm like the, and of course I'm the only person that goes to like clean it up. So I'm like under the table, like picking up all these like loose pieces. And she says to me, what are you eating under there? And 
This is a joke I'd never heard before. So I said, underwear. And she says, ew, you're eating underwear? And then everybody laughed at me. Uh, It was highly traumatic. And I almost forgot to get my grand prize for winning that that Connect Four tournament. So, wow, Paris, I see now why you relate so much to this movie. <laughs> Listen, it was very relatable to me. That's hysterical. That's why she, that's why he's rooting for Angela. He's like, fuck them. Truly. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Where is that connect for, bitch? Because camp could be so fun if everybody followed the rules. <laughs> Kill that connect for hoe. Yeah, where is she now? <laughs> I know that we've, we've talked a lot about the deaths in this movie and how questionable the relatability of this might be. I have a, a point that I think might be the worst moment of the movie. And that is those cheap blue reshow you the same footage flashbacks that we get during Angela's dream where it seems like she might be struggling slightly with her actions. God, <laughs> I hated that so much. You know what I heard? That they added that just to mm-hmm. fill in time, which is clearly I don't need to see the same movie I just saw like 15 minutes that ago. That shows how little effort was put into this movie. It was just like blatant filler footage. Like if they had watched Friday the 13th, they would have realized you do it at the beginning of the movie. Previously on Sleepaway Camp. Exactly. Give people a little exposition before you jump into the killing. I also found it interesting that that scene was like played in slow motion, but the audio was her singing the same song very slowly. And I was like, huh, that was a choice. So they put some effort into it. It just wasn't the right effort. It's like when they when they use a clip from a previous movie and just put like that like dreamy filter on it. When you're like, okay, you applied one filter to a piece of video. And that's supposed to be a dream or or a memory. We're gonna cool things down. That is with exactly gels, guys. It. Oh, cheap, lazy. I'm not really a big fan of dream sequences in general in movies. I like them if they're psychotic. Says the woman who loves Freddy Krueger. I. Ooh, <laughs> it's different. <laughs> that's an experience and also a dream, <laughs> and not just dreaming of it's things. It's an experience. Yeah. I love that. He comes by to say, "Hey." I did. I did refer to some coworkers the other day. I said, you're kind of like that Nightmare on Elm Street movie, Dream Warriors, because you guys are great. So that's my newest compliment. That is a very specific and interesting compliment. One that I cannot say I would have made personally. I don't get it because I haven't seen it. (laughs) It's just the title. It's the title of a movie. (laughs) A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Warriors. I mean, it sounds kind of fun. I want to be a dream warrior with you guys. Yeah, that's the movie where Freddy has syringes for fingers. Ew. If you've ever watched Inception, just imagine that. Lord. I did watch Inception. I wish they would have taken that dream sequence and like maybe like do a flashback of what like the trauma that happened while she was in the hospital. I don't need all the details, but I feel like that would be like a little bit more relatable. Or okay, no, no, hold on, I take that back. Not relatable, but I could understand, you know, it would build more for the character. Yeah, you have more connection to the character to see that. Yeah, I don't know if I'd have the connection, but I could understand what she would go through. They could have gone more the route of making an empathetic killer this in this film yeah that's what i meant yeah like really like feeling the trauma for sure i definitely think that would have helped out a lot because you are sort of expected to believe that like this young boy who had gender dysphoria kind of like forced upon him grew up to embrace it which i suppose isn't unheard of i can't speak to that experience myself um and then just kind of process it allegedly but still have a thirst for blood um, which is 
you know, we're reaching here, but suspension of disbelief, am I right? They they truly, back in the 80s, loved to imagine that everyone who had any kind of mental anything going on was a like psychotic killer. And so they like push really hard to portray this as, you know, being as someone who's insane simply because of the experience and the trauma that they went through. So, oh, they're insane because they went through this. Thus, they must be a psychotic killer, which is like so sad and and does like huge disservice to everyone. But I, that's that's the trouble I have a lot of, a lot of 80s slashers is they're like someone sought mental help or had mental help kind of like forced upon them because they went through this thing. Thus, they must be the killer. I refuse to suspend the disbelief on poor representation. Refuse to do it. I will I will look the other way on some bad kills. I will look the way other way on that Freddy finger with a slit throat in a wrong direction. I'll hey, I'll look the other way all day, but I won't look the other way when you uh perpetuate harmful stereotypes. Just can't do it. I mean, we even talk about that a little bit in the When a Stranger Calls episode. Because in that movie, you have the most iconic opening 20 minutes of a movie. And then the rest of it kind of drags until you have a thrilling ending. And in that in that middle part, you're learning about the killer. And you're learning about the fact that they were kept in a mental asylum. And the fact that they did have to go undergo shock therapy, even though it wasn't actually supposed to be done. And people already at the time were looking at it as barbaric. So it really... There are some movies that look at this and like handle it well. You know what I mean? Like it makes it makes a bigger statement. And this one, it just seems like a, a cheap, convenient throwaway uh, just to make this story even more ridiculous than it already is. Yeah, if we could go back in time, we would probably go to them and say like, hey, anyone who's experienced mental illness on a serious level is more at risk for their own health. And they're not at risk to other people's health. Like statistically. So we could come back in time and be like, if you're going to feature somebody who's had like major trauma in their lives, perhaps they're one of the most vulnerable victims that you should protect in this movie. Yeah. Perhaps, yeah. Uh, perhaps not be a douchebag and make them, you know, evil simply because they've gone through something horrible. I mean, for me, I think where I come from is like trans people are so marginalized and so often the victims of murder and violence that like seeing one like really take control and like come out on top is very refreshing and it's kind of like yeah trans women can be serial killers too and until we get another female trans woman as a serial killer i'm going to cherish angela forever and i think the trouble i truly have with it is that they present it as mental illness in both films i haven't watched any further than that and if they hadn't presented it as illness i think perhaps i would be down for that because I think anyone can be a serial killer. I think statistically it happens to be men between the ages of like 18 and 40. But, um, you know, anyone can be a serial killer. We've learned that from watching Mindhunter and other shows like it. But, uh, yeah, I think the trouble I have is when you, when you, in, uh, we had a whole, I mean, just decades, decades of people portraying this as being mental illness. Stop one, stop doing that. And then two, people with, with actual mental illness are are usually at a risk more for themselves and not for other people. Yep. And that's and that's the real trouble. Now I think they could have played up the trauma more caused by the ant. And that's where they missed out. Mm -hmm. Because obviously that ant did some messed up stuff yeah. and some severe psychological damage. Oh yeah. With I'm sure abuse, whether it was like verbal abuse or Oh absolutely. I think they probably should have shown the actual abuse that happened, physical abuse. I I don't want to see it, but I'm just saying like they could have, in this second movie, gone back and did some flashbacks of the ant doing some really horrible stuff um, and then built a super empathetic killer. Especially because it's like, it's so obvious that Pamela Springsteen is 
like kind of adopting some of the mannerisms and affectations of the ant character in her performance of Angela. Like they should have definitely brought that in more because she was kind of just carrying that whole thing. And it's, it's kind of something that you could even debate is what happened or not. When you're first watching that movie, the the first one, I think all of us assumed, wow, the actress playing the ant is just a really bad actress. Like she's such a ham. I thought she was a drag queen <laughs> and I was like, Oh, what's this movie? I thought she was a, like a play actress. Yeah. And then you make it to the end of the movie and you realize like, oh my gosh, like she has some, like something severe is going on with this aunt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the first episode, you described her as histrionic. And I was like, that's very accurate. Oh yeah. I would, I would love to see if they're ever going to reboot this. And if you're going to use the same conceit, bring the aunt back full force and like really focus on her in terms of her effect on the character. See, yeah, that would be interesting. I think we could remake this, Chris. Earlier you said this movie could not be made today. I think it could with just a few tweaks, you know? Then you're not making the same movie. I mean, then literally no movie could be made today because you're not making it when it was made. I'm just saying that I don't think this movie could be shot shot for shot the same way it is today with keeping the same theme and keeping the same message and keeping the same approach to this character the way that we had Psycho remade yeah, uh, in 1998. It was a shot-for-shot remake. You can't do that with this movie. That's true. I wouldn't want a shot-for-shot remake. I would want it to be like reimagined and made more uh, sensitive and reverent to the subject matter. I would absolutely love that. Then you don't want this movie. (laughs) (laughs) But this is all I have right now, so I'm going to cling to it. I hope one day we have better things to cling to. Me too. But I will say, apart from the decisions of the character direction for Angela and apart from TC being a douchebag, I felt like a lot of the characters, the side characters in this, actually had good performances for what they were supposed to be. What what did you guys feel? They were super believable. I I mean, Allie was just this mean person that I've totally seen in my life that I'm like, hell, someone kill her. Um, (laughs) I wouldn't say that about these people that are alive now that, you know. But yeah, no, I think they they had a lot of like content. You, they they're they played campers very well for the other side characters. Um, where you're just like, oh, okay, cool. Like they're having fun. They're you know a little older, but I still got the same feel for everyone. Yeah, I think like the characters were super believable. I just I think they were there were a lot of side characters in this movie, and that kind of um messed me up like I really wanted to get to know some more people I I think everything was I don't know it's surface level I didn't feel like connected to anyone but maybe that was just the intention because they're all gonna get sliced up anyway I did feel like Allie's power play of wearing that white t-shirt and then like jumping in the pool to try and like get the attention of that boy I feel like that was a really classy move and I loved that um it backfired on her which is fair I feel like this is the very very fundamental difference between you and I Paris (laughs) that is something you probably would do see I like (laughs) using sex as a weapon and she did that to be fair I was a fan of that scene (laughs) classic if you can do it you can you should do it yeah and also like it didn't work out also this lame dude was just like in her ear like hmm I can do all these things and she's like don't push me in the water Mm -hmm. I was like just play this corny dude please come on but then also yes it didn't work out and she got played too yeah which is nice is refreshing but renee estevez and her love interest i feel like we're actually kind of believable in their portrayal of like two people getting to know each other at camp and like kind of flirting and usually like i hate when that happens i usually think it's unbelievable but they didn't do too much they were just kind of like casual they were kind of like magnetically drawn to each other and ended up spending more time together than they maybe had anticipated Um, And it didn't feel like forced or like 
shoved down my throat. Like, this is a romantic relationship. Do you get it? Um, so I feel like that was actually surprisingly successful. I kind of like that they were the ones that got coupled up. Because in most movies, it wouldn't be them. It would be the the jock or, or the just like the meathead plus like whoever like the hot blonde is supposed to be. And I kind of like that that's not who he went for. He went for the person that he found interesting. And like their playful banter between the two of them was, you know, cheesy or whatever. But it's kind of how cheesy relationships start where people are just like, they'll just like ask like a meaningless question about the other person. And, you know, the other person will answer in a meaningless way and then they'll retort and whatever. Um, but I, I did kind of like that. I didn't really like her character. I'll be honest. Really? I didn't. I enjoyed her. Yeah. Like it was okay. She was, to me, similar to, okay, aside from the fact where she's like, I'm telling. Right. She was, to me, like Laurie Strode. And my sister, my oldest sister, uh, told me about this essay about, like, the girls who don't go woo. And it's about girls and, and women in media and in stories who are not part of the, I have to always be out here expressing my feelings and just, like, you know, drawing a lot of attention and doing things like, but really the women who are silently moving about the world, being observant and carving their own path in that way. And I feel like Molly was very much that. So I had some trouble with her because she reminded me of, of some people I knew when I lived in Georgia. I didn't grow up in Georgia. I'm not from there, but I lived there as a teenager and early adult. And as someone who's not from there originally, um, it was a bit weird because a lot of people have this like act that they put on for the outside world where they have to come across as nice and have to come across as proper. And perhaps they even are, but they're like portraying it so heavily that it just makes them seem like they're grandmothers in public, but it's an act and you can tell it's an act if you're not from there. And that, and that bothers me. I didn't feel she was that genuine. Wow. So she, you didn't feel like she was genuine because she was the only one discerning, being discerning about her behavior. Not at all. I just felt like, when she spoke about what she felt her beliefs were or her system of morals was, I feel like it was, she was laying it on thick. Mm. That's weird. I didn't get that from her at all. Interesting. Perhaps it's a bit of my past. Mm, maybe. Yeah. Isn't it crazy how our past comes through these movies and Indeed. how we feel about certain movies is yeah. de like dependent on that? Because here's of. the other thing. Sure, their relationship was cute. I didn't really like Sean that much, and I was just so glad to see him lose his head. Oh, I was too. He he moves about this movie, and you think he's some great guy, and then he has the moment to like really like you know stick it to Allie, and then as soon as Allie gets up from the table, he like looks back at Rob, and he's like, "So how was she?" And it's like, okay, so you really are just like everybody else, but you're probably being a little bit more superficial to woo Molly and. I don't know. I just I didn't care for him. He's probably he's definitely not the worst human in this movie, but he is just like every other dude in every other horror movie. They both seemed fake to me. Yeah, he was a warm douche. Warm specifically because he wasn't quite hot. <laughs> they but they both seemed fake, and I'm not saying the actors seemed fake in their portrayals. I'm saying like the characters themselves just seemed like they were like fake people. I don't like fake people. You gotta be real around me. <laughs> But Mac, just to be clear, you're not originally from Georgia. That is that is what I have meant to say clearly several times. But he didn't say that, that, so he is also fake. Right. <laughs> yeah, you should fake. hear that muddy accent every once in a while. Yeah, muddy. I'm a chameleon. That's the Gemini in you. I mean, we have talked to Heather about this from uh, Nature versus Narcissism, and I am the most likely, apparently, statistically, to be the serial killer in the situation. So. 
I'm just putting on an act the entire time. I'm faking empathy, apparently. Yeah. You know that, Ari. You're doing a great job. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad you humans appreciate this android's hard work. <laughs> for sure. One one final positive note I have for this movie is the pacing. It starts out really quickly with its kills, and it keeps moving about them. And while I do feel a lot of the kills that we find at the end seem way too rushed in terms of like killing the new counselor that's replacing Angela or finding some of the bodies strung up, I did find myself paying attention to everything that was happening on screen. How did you guys feel about its pacing? I felt pretty good about it. I think the number of kills that you get in this movie really satisfies any issues you could have with pacing. Um, I Like you said, it comes right out the jump like that. And then it does get a little bit much happening at the end, especially when you get like the room of just obscure dead bodies that have all been killed in various ways. But I, I don't see that many people would would have an issue with the pacing yeah i like that it kept moving um she literally kills everybody at the camp except one person uh so that felt thorough um and i like i said i watched the third one and i know that these were made like back to back but the third one really lacks humor um and it kind of was so boring like it's it's easily my least favorite of the three um and they also tried to tackle like racism and like uh, socioeconomic issues, which I didn't feel like they needed to bring into it. Um, but the pacing for this one felt kind of like a sweet spot. This franchise does a lot of things it doesn't need to reach into, but here we are. <laughs> That's what she said. I do still need to see the fourth one, Chris, but I couldn't find it. So if you could send me that, that would be great. Do all the titles have colons in them? No. I love a good colon title. We all have a good colon, <laughs> I bet. Uh, Return to Sleepaway Camp does not, in fact, have a colon, but. Like in this okay. instance, it's. Sleepaway Camp 2, colon, Unhappy Campers, and I hated the movie, so it it tickles me. The title tickles me. <laughs> well, maybe that was a, a bit intentional, and if that was the intent, then I will give this movie way more credit. Might even slash it on title alone. So we've talked a lot about this movie, and uh, I think we have a few more little nuggets here. I know we've done a little bit of research already, because when you start watching these things, you just can't stop. It's kind of like Pringles, but Mac, what do we have for Factor Fiction? Yeah. I mean, speaking of Pringles, let's talk about forest sex. Let's talk about awkward segues. Yeah. Um, Allie and Rob hooked up in the forest. We all remember that. It was awkward. It was uncomfortable. He was lazy. And she thanked him. Um, but Valerie Hartman, who played Allie, had to act out the scene with an extra, not Terry Hobbs, who played Rob. An extra. Fact. I'll say fact, because the production on this movie was suspect. Fact. It was indeed a fact, because Terry Hobbs was a minor. He was underage. <gasps> I didn't oh. think about that part. You mean actors playing their actual age? That's what? interesting. He was the only one who didn't look like an yeah. adult. <laughs> <laughs> and then let's talk about some other people, aside from Allie and Rob, because I'm disgusted by that scene. But a popular prank on set would be to go group up on Pamela Springsteen, who played Angela. And then do, uh, you know, singing and air guitaring, born in the USA, because she's Bruce Springsteen's sister. Fiction. I'm going to say fiction, too. That doesn't sound funny. Fiction? I think it's the daughter. Interesting. It's fiction because, reportedly, she didn't tell anybody that she was his sister. Oh. Sister. Okay. Yeah. That's so smart. So, apparently, some found out years later that they were related, because she apparently didn't mention it, which is wild. I would have been throwing that left and right. Yo. You know, I'm Bruce Springsteen's sister. I wish she sounded like her brother when she was singing. I think we're also missing the very obvious point here. She has a very recognizable last name. How did nobody realize? That's the thing that I think is crazy. 
that supposedly they didn't realize for years. Yeah, that is. Let's talk about Angela a little bit more. Not only was Felessa Rose not chosen to return as Angela, but the VHS box art, and you actually might have seen this if you looked up the film, did not even use Pamela Springsteen as Angela, who played her in this movie. In fact. I'm convinced that that's true because I keep looking at that box art and I'm like, who is that woman? Was she in this movie? Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with everyone else. Fact? Yeah, it was a fact. Apparently she wasn't available that day for the photo. So they used someone named Connie Craig. What? <laughs> wasn't available one day. <laughs> we couldn't just shoot it again. Couldn't do it. They couldn't have just used like a like a, like a like a screen cap from the movie. The lack of competence in this movie baffles me every step of the way. I mean, listen, it it ends up being a good a good movie poster regardless of who's in it. That's true. Uh, brief halftime break here. We're all at 100% right now. Just want everyone to note that because this has never happened. And now I've jinxed well, us. Well, perhaps I've made it too easy for everybody and that makes me sad. I mean, you're also like coming up with questions that I did not come across in my extensive research at all. So I'm actually surprised that I don't know these. Yes, great job. Recalibrate your algorithm. Okay, last one up for you guys then. So we all remember the first one fondly, but the director of the first movie did not think it was such a great movie and decided to sell the film rights because he thought it was trash. Fiction. I mean, I don't, I'm just, that's just sounds It feels like ridiculous. the second, the ending yeah. of that is a lie. Oh gosh, Paris? I, I know the answer what to this one, feel? so I, I won't answer. Oh, dang it. This did come up in my extensive research. Okay, I'm gonna go fact. Did you go fiction? I went fiction. All right, this I is mean, a good test idea. here. And Paris, what's the answer? It was a fact. Well, I would say it's fiction. He oh, didn't God. think it was bad. Yes, because Mackenzie added some nonsense to the end. Yeah, I didn't think he thought it was bad, but he did sell the rights. He did sell the rights, but why did he sell the rights, Chris? Uh, he ended up going to law school and he got out of filmmaking. Oh, see, that did not come up. Good for him. <laughs> Could you imagine being attached to the whole like sequence of Sleepaway Camp movies after that? And let me just say this. The man went to law school, right? And then still somehow saw it fit to go to Return to Sleepaway Camp and still made a shitty movie. That is arguably shittier than this movie. <laughs> well, thank you so much for that rousing round of uh, fact or fiction. So glad that we could even bust up a little bit of the research hounds here at the table. Um, Sleepaway Camp 2 Unhappy Campers was an interesting ride. And I know a lot of people like this movie. Clearly the majority here do. Uh, but still somehow it earned two, two hacks, right? So Ryan, I'm glad that I, I flew all this way just to be here in these COVID times. I flew here to join this hack with you. So we could hack this together? Yes. Let's hold hands <laughs> while we do it. I'll hack with you anytime. Sleepaway Camp 2 Unhappy Campers has two hacks and three slashes. Uh, again, you can find this movie streaming in a lot of places. We obviously want to know, hear your voice. We want to know your thoughts on this movie. So please reach out to us. There are a number of ways you can. First on our website, hackerslash.com. And on our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you went to a camp that uh, had as much sex as this camp had, I'd really like to hear about it. You can hit us up at the Hacker Slash hotline. You can text us, call us, leave us a voicemail or an audio message. Our number is 757-606-0128. Be careful about how much you share. She doesn't want to know that much about it. No pictures, please. Thank you. Yeah, like a sex camp. <laughs> and perhaps if you're still stuck in summer camp from age 15 until now, you could probably send us an email because you don't have phone reception out there to feedback at hackerslash.com. And hear me out. If you've enjoyed listening to our podcast, consider becoming one of our patrons. Check out patreon.com slash hackerslash where you can earn cool perks for as low as $1 per month. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.